Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. The trade war with China is hurting U.S. trash bins. China's imposed some stiff tariffs and new restrictions on all sorts of recyclables, including paper, plastics, and metal. And I am delighted now to be joined by Davina Rankin. She is the chief financial officer at Waste Management. Davina, thanks so much for being on the podcast. So happy to be here, Alexis. Talk to me about these recycling restrictions from China. I mean, I know that recycling overall uh, only accounts for 10% of waste management's revenue, but how have you had to do do business differently uh, to to abide by these restrictions? So in that 10%, what I think is important to remember is that it's only 30% had previously gone to China. The rest was shipped here domestically or to alternate markets. That 30% today is down to less than 3%. And um, one of the misconceptions that I've heard recently is actually that metals would negatively impact waste management specifically in these trade wars. And what I want to clarify there is that of that 10 percent, metals are only less than 1 percent of that business. And so um, you can think of it being completely inconsequential. And all of our metals are actually sold here domestically Hmm. to customers that use those in, in their processes. So when we think about China, we really think about it having an impact on the overall supply-demand relationship for recyclables. But we're working through that, and we've gotten to a point where really we feel like China specifically is a little in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to think about them because they're an important customer and have been an important customer, and, and that impact we have to be mindful of. But we've proactively found other markets for our materials, and we're going to continue to focus on that. Talk to me a little bit about those other markets that you found. How have you found a way to bring that number of recyclables that you used to send to China so much lower? So we found through our brokerage part of the business. So the brokerage part of the business means it's not going through our facilities to process. It's more from our commercial customers that have single uh, source type recyclables like large retailers who have cardboard, Mm -hmm. um, as an example. So that's really clean product. And we add that product to the product that comes through our facilities. And so that's given us a competitive advantage with regard to approaching other markets because we, we move more material than anyone else in the country. And so we approach markets like Mexico and India, and and they have a need for this product too. There's a need for the cardboard um, and the paper that we all throw out every day in the U.S. And as long as that material is clean, which that's really the key, we've got a battle against this contamination issue that we are all contributing to. We're going to be able to access markets across the globe, including here domestically, to find homes for the product that we sell. About that contaminated recyclable material, I I think many of us are guilty. Uh, We might not even know we're doing it, but what are some of the big no-nos when it comes to recycling? Because I think there sort of needs to be another swoop of education. Um, I remember when recycling first sort of came onto the scene and we all went, what? We just can't throw things out in the kitchen anymore, in the kitchen garbage? We actually have to sort things out. But some get a little sloppy about it or just might simply not know. 
I think that's the key. I, I think a lot of us don't know. And so we need to take a leadership role in educating ourselves and our communities. And and we're doing that proactively. But, you know, some of the easy ones that we all know get put in the recycling bin today are plastic bags, pizza boxes, dirty yogurt containers uh-huh. I use as an example. Really what's key is that when it's a recyclable product, it needs to be clean. And um, and so when you throw that yogurt container in the recycling bin, be sure that you've washed it out beforehand. Mm-hmm. And with your pizza box, rip off the part that's gooey and cheesy and, and greasy <laughs> and put the clean part in the recycling bin and the rest of it in the trash. You know, I wish it were just those things that we have question marks on and need some clarification. Um, But unfortunately, some of the diversion goals that have been in place have actually led to people putting things that aren't recyclable at all into the recycling container. I'm sure you find that. Like what? You know, unfortunately, we have things like bowling balls that come across (laughs) our recycling lines. Can't think of the last time I recycled a bowling ball. No, and and you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, duly noted. Um, But, you know, there are lots of examples. Um, We actually have had conversations with community leaders who think that things like a baby carriage, a a baby stroller Mm. should be recyclable. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, what you've got to think about is that while that baby stroller may be made of recyclable materials, we don't have technology today that can break apart that baby stroller into its component parts Mm. and then actually move toward the recycling. Our facilities today are about separating the different materials that are recyclable But that means separating things like cardboard boxes and paper and the junk mail that you get in in your mailbox each, you know, Tuesday. Right. Um, You know, so it's about being responsible about what you put in that container and thinking about it with regard to the environmental utility that we create by recycling, not putting more and more things in the green container. Okay. I'm curious if the recycling part of your business is profitable. It is. Um, And, you know, I would say it's actually the second leading return on invested capital business that we have in our mix. And that's dependent upon the volatility that we see, because when commodity prices are high, it helps to provide us with a return on that investment that we make. But what we're thinking about more and more is ensuring that instead of relying on those peaks, that we're being thoughtful about covering the processing costs that really are incurred each and every day as we move materials through our facilities. So I want to get off recycling for a moment and talk about the bulk of your business, which is solid waste, which it really seems to be booming. Last quarter, revenues topped $3.7 billion. That was higher than the same uh, period a year prior. You raised guidance for the year. Tell me what's behind that and how much of it is because of the lower uh, corporate tax rate we're now enjoying. So the lower corporate tax rate definitely has provided us a benefit. Um, but at the end of the day, we we knew that coming into 2018. And so the revised guidance is about the outperformance of our solid waste business. Our solid waste business is performing uh, better than expected and really better than I can remember in the 16 years that I've been with the company. We really are seeing great returns from the investments that we're making in our fleet and our landfills and ensuring that we are 
putting our employees and our assets to work in the markets that we're seeing growth across this country. You say you've been with the company 16 years. That's quite an achievement to be anywhere uh, in this day and age for 16 years. Talk to me about your career path. What did you start out doing at Waste Management? So I started writing our 10 Qs and 10 Ks. I was an <laughs> SEC reporting analyst. Um, and so it's one of those jobs that most people don't think a whole lot about. But mm -hmm. what it did was give me a really good picture into the company overall. I was in a unique position to have to tell our story. I might be telling the story to people who don't really ever read it because not a lot of people other than bankers read SEC dollar Really? Because I think it could make fascinating bedtime reading. <laughs> <laughs> If you're having trouble going to sleep. Okay. But so, um, but it was fascinating for me because I learned the business from the perspective of the outsider. Um, I had to understand the business from the perspective that our shareholder understands the business. And it gave me a great vantage point into the organization. What was important for me, though, from that point forward is thinking about my own career and the aspirations that I had. And so I knew that I wasn't always going to be in accounting. I knew that I wanted to do more and understand other parts of the business. And so I've done that by understanding us from a capital markets perspective. I, I spent time as our treasurer. Hmm. Um, I also did our capital planning. And so thinking about where we put assets to work, what we acquire, how we buy back our stock. And and so all of those things led to this opportunity that I've had. I've been in this job now for 18 months, and it's it's been fascinating and a great opportunity. I'm curious, are you the first female CFO for Waste Management? I am. I'm the first female C-suite executive at Waste Management. I'm the first female C-suite executive in the industry for a public company. Yeah, congratulations, because I have to tell you, and I know I'm not alone in this, when I think trash, waste management, my garbage truck in my neighborhood. I'm not thinking women, but maybe that's changing, and maybe you're a big reason for why that's going to change. Tell me your journey as a female in this particular industry. So I think you hit it on the the nail on the head there. You know, it's so interesting because what we're talking about is being a great place to work. We want to be a great place to work for everyone, and we know that today women are an untapped resource for our business. We believe that this is a great industry. It's an industry where, you know, we're going to do well in just about any economic environment. And so that means some security for our employees. And and for that reason, we want to be attractive not just to the men um, that work hard for our business all day today, but we want to be a great place to work for women going forward, too. And that doesn't just mean in the more traditional uh, back office type work environment mm -hmm. like finance or human resources. Um, we want to look for opportunities for women to contribute in each and every part of our business. And we're doing that. And we're seeing wonderful ways for women to have a more active role in the front line and all the way up to the C-suite. And it's exciting. When you walk into a board meeting sometimes or folks who might not be familiar with you yet because you're still relatively new at the job, um, are, are people a little taken aback or surprised? Have you found there be, to be any challenges as a female in the industry? 
You know, challenges, I think, would be overstating it. I think I think the surprise is a good one mm-hmm. because I think the depth of my knowledge of this business after having spent 16 years in the industry is what really impresses people. I know the business very, very well, and I, I can relate to our drivers. Um, I tell people all the time, I grew up in a middle-class family. Uh, my sister's a teacher. My father was in the Air Force. And so I... I think about relating to our employees, and I think that's important. Mm -hmm. And so if I combine that with the skills and abilities that I bring to the table in finance, I think I'm the perfect person to be at that board table and part of our executive team talking about the future direction of this great company. What is waste management doing? I mean, right now, especially in corporate culture, diversity is first and foremost. You know, how does one diversify their company? What steps is waste management taking to do that? You know, one of the things we're really proud of is that we think about diversity in both the traditional sense and then in non-traditional senses too. And so um, I think most people tend to think about diversity as gender and ethnicity first. Mm -hmm. We're also thinking about things like disabled Americans and veterans Mm -hmm. and ensuring that we're creating a workforce where they can be an active part of that workforce and contribute every day. And if you think about the fact that we've got fleet, logistics, um, mechanics, those are great places for our veterans to come and work and build a career. So we're thinking about providing job opportunities to just about every part of the North American culture. That is fabulous to hear. And I know, uh, tell me more because I was fascinated about this. You've partnered with Caterpillar on a driverless bulldozer at a landfill in Colorado. And I know people hearing that might think, oh, yeah, well, there's one other human job gone to technology. But you say no, and you say this is also a way to put veterans to work. Connect those dots for us. Certainly. So absolutely the answer to that question is no. It's a big resounding, that job doesn't just get to stay. It becomes better. And the way that it becomes better is that instead of being on the landfill where it can be hot um, and you can be exposed to the elements that we all deal with with weather, um, instead the employee is running that dozer from an air-conditioned office Mm. and they're doing so with a joystick and a screen maybe more than one screen, multiple screens, where they're looking at how they're moving the dozer over uh, the landfill. And so it's changing the job, and it's changing the job in a way that hopefully it's safer, um, it's definitely cleaner, and, and the elements of the weather aren't going to be a factor. And how did the veterans fit into that? Hopefully we think about it in terms of something that they have had practice with and in their jobs. Mm -hmm. And um, the disabled veteran, that much more, no longer does the employee have to climb into a large piece of equipment. They're actually sitting in a comfortable chair in an office. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think I'm the first one to tell you that the trash industry is not exactly sexy, Davina. So when you're looking to attract talent, especially younger talent, because we know that your industry in particular is facing a labor shortage. A lot of folks are aging out. What are you doing to incentivize people to come and work in the industry? So, you know, while it's not sexy, it's safe. And Mm. And that could be good, too. (laughs) And I will tell you that um, while I don't have children myself, I have a lot of friends that have um, millennial children who are looking for jobs. And I know one of the things that people talk about 
a great deal is security and knowing that they've seen their parents laid off. They've seen um, their parents not be able to make ends meet because they've had to deal with unemployment for long, sustained periods of time. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they're looking for some security that their parents may not have had. And this is an industry that's provided that because we're recession resilient and we can do well in any U.S. economy. So I think that on the one hand is going to be a top priority for us in attracting talent. But this is also a little bit more sexy a business than people give it credit for. Hmm. Um, we run close to 15,000 trucks on our roads every day. So it's about using the data that we collect on those trucks in order to think about how to better service our communities. What more can we learn about our customers so that we think about maybe their needs before they do? And, and so we're moving our organization to one that's a little more sophisticated. And I think that is go going to appeal to uh, another part of our generation that's in the workforce today. Uh, another part of the earnings report that stuck out to me was your cash flow up 20%. Tell us what you are doing with that extra money. So um, really two priorities. We we, um, at the beginning of 2018, announced that we were going to give a $2,000 bonus to each of our employees who was not eligible for incentive compensation. Um, that's about 34,000 employees across the U.S. and Canada. That's great. Fantastic. It's a great investment in our people. And we're doing that in addition to regular wage increases and training and all of the development that we are making in our workforce each and every day. In addition to that, we're investing in our assets. We see this as a growth economy, and in a growth economy, we're going to be sure that we've got the right assets in the right places to be able to serve our customers and participate in our share of that growth. Davina Rankin, the first female C-suite executive at Waste Management. Um, we, we are so happy that you stopped by for this podcast and continued success. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.